0: Housing for the Aged Action Group, Hague for short, a housing group for older people run by older people. Present Raise the Roof. We advocate for secure, affordable and appropriate housing. So listen up
1: on the second and fourth Wednesday of the month at 5.30pm on 3CR 855 on your AM dial. That's right. You're listening to Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Aged Action Group show here on 3CR 8:55 AM. My name's Shane. I'm here with Fiona. How are you doing, Fiona? Hey, Shane. How are you? I'm great. You're great. Yes. You just got back from leave, so you're super great. Well, no, I'm half asleep because this is my nap time for the last oh. two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really excited with the interview that we're bringing you today. For a while at HAG, um, I you know I've been concerned about the ways. That uh, the increasing use of online application processes, online application forms for rental properties, has disadvantaged a lot of the people that we work with. Um, you know, lots of real estate agents now require you to use online application forms, uh, either internal or managed by third parties. And that seriously disadvantages people who don't have either the uh, access or the literacy to, to navigate those forms. That's not just older people, and obviously lots of older people do regularly use the internet uh, with skill and felicity, but there are people that that are sort of shut out of the rental market that way.
0: And also, um, when they've rented in the same place for a long, long time and they suddenly receive an eviction notice, they've not had to interact with modern technology in order to be able to get a rental.
1: Um, So we invited uh, Sam from Digital Rights Watch to talk about some of these issues. It turned out there are many more reasons to worry about online application forms. So we're going to hear about a lot of them. Uh, Let's go to the interview now. Okay.
0: We're joined in the studio today by Samantha Floriani, who is the Program Lead at Digital Rights Watch. How are you going today, Samantha? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm really well. Um, Thanks for coming on the show. The reason that I asked you on was because I heard you give evidence at the rental inquiry the other day, and I thought that there was a lot of content in there that might be interesting to our listeners. Um, So I might ask you to begin by telling us a little bit about who Digital Rights Watch are.
2: Yeah, great. So Digital Rights Watch is a civil society organization, and we exist to uh, defend and promote human rights as realized in the digital age. So that means things like the right to privacy, protecting digital security, um, upholding things like freedom of expression, freedom of speech and things like that and how they interact with technologies.
1: And what sort of work do you do there specifically? What what does being a a program lead involve?
2: Yeah, so, well, it's a bit of everything to be honest. Um, So generally speaking, that involves some um, tech policy work, so writing submissions to inquiries or about draft bills, participating in public hearings like the one that was mentioned just before, um, and you know uh, engaging with government and industry about you know how best to. Uh, <laughs> not undermine human rights with um, tech policy and law in Australia. It doesn't always go super well, obviously. Um, but so a lot of that work happens behind the scenes. So we're there to, 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 to promote and to defend um, human rights considerations when uh, looking at technology. We also do a lot of work around um, you know, public awareness raising, running public-facing campaigns, talking to the media talking with other groups, just really trying to get people thinking about how technology is impacting their rights and also just impacting their sort of day-to-day lives and well-being.
1: Okay. So, that, I mean, that all sounds great, but I guess it may not be obvious to listeners what that has to do with renting or why you would be giving evidence at the inquiry into the rental crisis. So, can you tell us a bit about like how that connects with, the, with renting?
2: Absolutely. So, as I mentioned, we are really interested in how emerging technologies and digital technologies are impacting people's rights and well-being. And one of the areas where this is becoming more and more prominent is in uh, the housing sector. So um, there are lots of ways that digital technologies are being implementing in the housing sector, specifically in um, the renting space. So that might mean things like using third-party application platforms to apply for a rental or um, different forms of machine learning technologies helping to assess uh, potential uh, applicants' riskiness or suitability for housing, and then even things like how you interact with your property manager are often done through apps or platforms at the moment. And so what we're really interested in is how these digital technologies are impacting people's ability to access housing how it's impacting their right to housing as well as how it's uh, having uh, impact on people's rights to privacy throughout all of that and whether or not it is creating or exacerbating issues of fairness and bias when it comes to securing housing it creates so many issues which is why we have been you know, advocating and campaigning in this space for a little while now, almost a year now, um, and why we went along to the public hearing to be able to explain to the committee uh, some of the ways that these technologies are impacting renters' digital rights and well-being and potentially impacting housing justice in Australia.
1: On your website, you kind of break it down into three sort of sets of risks that go with uh, digital technologies in the renting space. I wonder if we could talk about those in more detail. So those are uh, renter, privacy and security, bias and unlawful discrimination and regulatory evasion. So what can you tell us about renter, privacy and security? Yeah,
2: absolutely. So... um even if you, if we take away the technology aspect for a second and just think about the kinds of information that is asked of renters to apply for a rental, um, it's a huge amount of information. It is and
1: wild. Every time it, I have <laughs> to apply for a rental property, I'm like, wait, so six months of of bank statements, really?
2: Yeah, it's really revealing. Like you have to provide. So much of your personal information, so identity documents, uh, rental history, employment history, we've heard stories of people being asked for social media accounts and some medical records, you know, for car registration details and pet registration details, just like a phenomenal amount of information. um, And a lot of it is not necessary to be able to assess the suitability of that person as a renter. So it really is over-collection. And then when you add in the digital intermediaries into that, it, it, it exacerbates those issues because a lot of them ask for even more information. And it's also not very clear, you know, how that information is later going to be used. Who is it going to be shared with? How will it be stored? And, will it, and when, if ever, will it be deleted? So this creates lots of risks for renters in terms of their privacy, um, but also in terms of digital security. You know, if there was a data breach at one of these um, tech companies, then it would be really devastating for renters.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but, you know, real estate agents are famously trustworthy and honest group of people, so surely they, <laughs> they're they doing the right thing. Yeah. <laughs> so, I think,
2: uh, sadly, even if they want to do the right thing, I mean, I, I, yeah. I take your point, but even if they want to do the right thing, it's the, the risk. They can't eliminate the risk because they're collecting too much and that we know that the security and privacy practices are, are pretty dire.
1: Yeah, I'm sure that's right. Um, what about bias and unlawful discrimination?
2: Yeah, so I guess one of the things to keep in mind is that it's not just about the collection of this information creating risks. It's also about how that information is then being used. And that's where we start to see issues around bias and potential unlawful discrimination. So for example, there are more and more examples coming out about um, uh, algorithmic uh, systems, so automated decision-making or machine learning or algorithmic ranking systems, which will take the information that's been collected, run an algorithmic process on it, and then determine, for example, you know who's the best uh, applicant or who's the most risky. And so things like that is where we can start seeing bias coming out, because we know in automated decision-making systems, they often regurgitate pre-existing biases. So, mm. for example, it, if there's already a sense that a single mother might be a higher, like a, a, a riskier um, tenant, then that will be reflected or more often than not be reflected in the automated process. And so what these systems end up doing is that they essentially codify and um, entrench these pre-existing Uh, biases and and stigmas which can end up impacting people's ability to secure housing fairly.
1: Yeah and I mean we see that happening not just in terms of protected attributes but also you know we saw an application recently HAG agreed to act as a a reference for someone who is trying to secure housing and we were required by this third party application sort of platform to, to fill out a set of questions as if we were their, their landlord or real estate agent, including things like how many times has this renter asked for repairs, which, you know, seems to be uh, not the, you know, the intention of the legislation isn't that if you ask for too many repairs, you get a bad reference and can't find other rental housing. So there can be all kinds of biases that are built into these systems.
0: Not to mention older people. We often hear that older people are, are um, not desirable tenants, I guess, because they don't have as much earning capacity as they get older too. So that's another another area that we're particularly concerned with.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that the, I'm glad you bring that up because I think the question of um, digital inclusion or in this case, digital ex- exclusion is also one that needs to be considered in this, you know, as more and more real estate agents are pushing renters towards uh, these digital platforms. Um, For a lot of people, including older people, that might not be the way that they like to interact with their real estate agent. Um, It also, you know, they may not have the digital literacy or the ability to to work well with these systems. And it also, I think, um, in addition to that is really, makes it really hard for people who have English as a second language as well.
1: Uh, Absolutely. So the third set of risks that you identified is regulatory evasion by design. Could you talk a bit about what that means?
2: Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of these platforms have these kind of design elements which enable um, real estate agents to kind of sidestep some of the protections that do exist. So one example is in Victoria, um, there is a prohibition on soliciting rent bids. Um, but if a lot of these um, application platforms have an editable field where you can put in whatever rent amount you like. And so in practice, this kind of creates this gray area where they can kind of you know, not technically be asking for rent bidding, but because it enables it and by design kind of encourages it, they're, they're kind of getting away with doing it anyway. Another example is Uh, you mentioned before, protected attributes. So in in Victoria, again, sorry, I'm based in Victoria, so that's where my mind is at, Um, there are some uh, restrictions on the kinds of information that you can ask for if they're protected attributes under under anti-discrimination law, so things like gender or sexuality or race. Um, And if you do ask for those, you need to put it in writing why you're asking for those things. But again, with these platforms, often what will happen is they'll have... You know quote unquote optional fields where people can put in um, those kinds of information, but because they're optional, they can kind of step around that um that restriction. But because there's so much pressure on people in the current housing crisis, we know that people are more likely to to provide whatever information they're asked for because that if you know that if you don't, then you're less likely to secure a home.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So what are some of the solutions that you see for some of the the problems that you're identifying?
2: Yeah, so there's a range of different things that we could be doing. One of them that, that has been floated by a lot of uh, tenants unions across Australia is um, to establish a standardized set of uh, application questions so that real estate agents know exactly what is and isn't allowed to be asked at the point of application, and then that would flow on into how these um, platforms uh, are used and implemented. So we can really drastically limit the kinds of information that's able to be requested at the point of application. Another thing that um, we could do is we could reform the Privacy Act. So currently, um, two thirds of real estate agents are not covered by the Privacy Act, Um, so... That
1: that seems incredible, why why is that? (laughs)
2: So in the Privacy Act, there is a an exemption for small businesses. So if you have a turnover of lower than $3 million per year, you're exempt from the Act. Um, this creates a really dangerous gap in our privacy protections in Australia. So um, at the moment, we're in the process of, of campaigning for privacy law reform to try to close some of these gaps, including that one. So if real estate agents were subject to the Act, then they would have to abide by the Australian Privacy Principles, which would also you know, add another layer of things that may need to be considering when it comes to how they're collecting and handling people's information.
1: Can, can I ask in connection with that, so you're saying that about a third of real estate agents are, are covered by the Privacy Act. Do we think that they're abiding by the Privacy Principles? or? Or are there are other obligations under that act? Yeah, this is a really good
2: question and I'm glad that you asked it. Another really big challenging part of privacy uh, protection in Australia is that we our regulator, the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner, is woefully under resourced. Um, and so often what ends up happening is even in instances where um, you know, entities are covered by the act there isn't enough enforcement happening um, to make sure that they are actually following it appropriately. So we need both reform as well as a stronger regulator to be able to keep this stuff in check.
1: Are there other states in Australia that are doing this stuff better than Victoria?
2: Um, honestly, not really. <laughs> I know that New South Wales is um, has been quite proactive in looking at uh, things like standardized application forms and, and rolling out guidelines and whatnot But they are voluntary, which is we know is just not enough to get real estate agents to be um, You know taking it seriously, so we really need to be looking at mandatory Requirements, um, but certainly New South Wales is, is giving it or at least starting to give it a go well,
1: that's, I guess that's not what encouraged <laughs>
2: Sorry, not exactly the
0: bearer of good news, here. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also had a question about how the tech is intersecting with the tenancy management as well as sort of the application process. I was at a, um, a housing conference a couple of years ago and just about all of the stalls at that housing conference were from people that were trying to sell these Um, these apps and these these tech kind of solutions to tenancy management um, you know repairs and maintenance and evictions and all of this sort of thing it was quite horrifying actually to to see the kind of products that were on display and being spruced at this conference to community housing providers in the main Um, Mm. is is that something that you come across in your work
2: at all? Yeah, so this is a really another important area for us to consider. I think we've been focusing a lot on the application process um, because there's been a lot of examples um, to draw from recently. But in terms of like ongoing tenancy management applications, that's certainly something that also creates real issues in terms of um, making it harder for renters to be able to interact with their real estate agents like a lot of these apps are framed as ways to increase convenience and increase efficiency but that's for the real estate agent that's not for the renter um and so what this does by adding this layer in the middle uh, this digital intermediary it creates you know a, another sort of layer of um uh opacity Opacity, vagueness, <laughs> um, that makes it harder for renters to um, exercise their rights and communicate with their real estate agents. They are also really, really data hungry. So they have a dual functionality there. They are also operating as um, these 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 apps that collect huge amounts of really valuable. Data on, you know, how people are interacting with real estate agents, how they are um, exercising their rights. Are they asking for repairs? Are they, you know, an annoying renter and things like that? And then that feeds back into the sort of uh, digital, you know, data ecosystem that surrounds all of this, which again ends up more often than not being used to the disadvantage of renters. Um, and to the advantage of, of landlords and, and real estate agents. So I, I do think that it's an area of concern for sure.
0: I think it's particularly concerning when it's in the community housing sector which is, you know, got a lot of people that are um, more vulnerable I guess than the than the private rental sector potentially or it may have more barriers to kind of raising complaints and exercising their rights and having that kind of digital intermediary I think is a, is a real concern in the social housing area.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, pe- we know that people who are have various intersections of vulnerability or marginalization are already subject to way more surveillance than the sort of general oh. population. So this just adds another sort of vector for that additional surveillance just going about their day-to-day lives. Mm,
0: yeah.
1: Uh, well... <laughs> That's getting to the more depressing end of the interview, I think. Um, (laughs) If people want to find out more about Digital Rights Watch or the the Rent Tech campaign in particular, how can they find out?
2: Yeah, so people can head to our website, which is www.digitalrightswatch.org.au. They can also find us on social media. We're on um, Twitter or X, um, (laughs) Instagram, um, Mastodon, if people are on the Fediverse. We're around. We'd love to chat with people. We'd love to hear from people if they've got thoughts or experiences.
1: Uh, Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much for your time today.
2: Yeah, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Sorry, it was a bit
1: depressing. (laughs) It's always depressing. (laughs) It's It's all right.
2: It's a show about older
0: people's housing. It's always going to be a bit of a downer. Yeah. Yeah. But thanks so much for coming on. It was great.
2: Thanks for having me. Thanks.
1: Common Social Change Library is an online collection of educational resources for those campaigning for social change. It collects, curates and distributes the key lessons and resources of progressive movements around Australia and across the globe. The library includes over 500 resources covering campaign strategy, community organising, activist history, digital campaigning, diversity and inclusion and much, much more. It's free to access the library, so check out the collection at www.commonslibrary.org. Common Social Change Library is a 3CR supporter.
2: Well, brothers and sisters, what a show of strength we've got here today.
1: Local issues. You're still listening to Raise the Roof, the Housing for the Age Action Group show here on 3CR 855 AM. My name's Shane. I'm here with Fiona. Um, I thought that was a really great interview. Uh, I think it points to something that we've talked about a bit before, which is that uh, the power imbalance between renters and rental providers uh, consistently means that renters don't want to be in a position of needing to individually enforce their own rights. Uh, in the face of you know not only that power imbalance that's kind of structural, but but specific technologies that are sort of uh, undermining their rights, we need meaningful enforcement and protection of those rights by the uh, the regulator or the nominal regulator, the uh, hands-off, stand back, don't do anything, so-called regulator that's supposed to protect renters in this state.
0: And in every state in Australia. Why do you know bad. anything
1: about any other state?
0: It's pretty bad everywhere. Anyway, pretty
1: bad everywhere thanks for listening
0: (laughs) there's a couple of things that people can do though at the moment there is a national um uh, what is called it national homeless and housing plan that's open for submissions um, and it's a 10-year plan that the federal government's putting together we are making submissions and we're also urging people to make their own submissions talk about things like renter rights improving protections for renters as well as of course building more public and community housing
1: yeah so if you want to get involved at hag and um, contribute to the sort of submissions that we're making there are working groups and other ways that you can get involved and do that we'll be giving out some contact information at the end Of the show, Mm -hmm. so if that is something that you'd like to to follow up on, uh, grab a pen and paper or your phone, and we'll give you a phone number in just a minute.
0: And speaking of getting involved, we have a number of events coming up that I thought I would like to tell listeners about. Um, one is an online event, which is just about what we were talking about just now, the National Housing and Homelessness Plan. Um, we're joining Winteringham and Homelessness Australia to talk about the need to prevent and better respond to homelessness experienced by older people. Um, that's an online event, and it's on the 20th of September, which is um, Wednesday, next Wednesday. Um, You're most welcome to join. It's also going to be very useful to inform Homelessness Australia about what you think they should be talking about in terms of older people and housing. Um, We also have a number of events coming up for Seniors Month. So Seniors Month is in October and we have quite a number of information sessions. So there's one on the 2nd of October in Cranbourne um, and there's one on the 12th of October in Narry Warren. And another one in Hampton Park on the 16th of October. Um, We're also having a HAG Open Day on the 10th of October. Um, So you can come in and have a chat.
1: That sounds awful. Is that really happening? That's definitely happening.
0: Shane's going to be there. He's going to be making cups of tea, talking to people.
1: Making cups of tea. Maybe I'll bring a pie.
0: Bring a pie. Yep. Um, And related to that, uh, part of our um, anniversary celebrations, as we've mentioned um, in the last couple of episodes, we are in our 40th year and we are making a 40th anniversary quilt. Amazing. I know. So we're going to have a housing justice quilting bee where we will be bringing together all of the people that have been sewing their individual letters um, and sewing them all together to be a nice, big, amazing banner with a beautiful slogan. Um, and it's going to represent people coming together to advocate for housing justice for older people. Um, so if you want to get involved, even if you don't know how to sew, you're most welcome to come. It'll be hand sewing, I believe. Um Come to the Housing Justice Quilting Bee on the 26th of October
1: at awesome.
0: Ross House.
1: I like the way you said it. it'll be hand sewing, I believe, as if you think there's a, <laughs> a chance that we're just getting like an industrial sew- set of sewing machines. I feel like that <laughs> would be... we have a small sweatshop out the back of the <laughs> HAG office.
0: I think that would be more efficient. Oh, here's one for you, Shane. This is up your alley. We're having no, no. an online retirement housing information session. On the 24th of October. So, this is specifically for people who are looking to move into a retirement village, a lifestyle park, a rental village, a res park, a caravan park, any of those things. And you might like to understand the differences and the similarities between those housing types and the pros and cons. Um, there
1: are no pros it'll only be cons no
0: people like that type of housing Shane a lot of our members like it and live in it and are quite happy with it but you should go in with open eyes and be aware of the pitfalls of what can be involved Um, So, yeah, that's all happening in October as part of HAG's Seniors Month. Big shout out to Rebecca Cook who has been putting a lot of that together and Fiona Waters as well has been assisting. So it's fantastic to have so many opportunities to come and talk to people about housing and older people. So, yeah, that's all available um, on our website which is www.oldertenants.org.au. It's also in the Seniors Program, the Victorian Seniors Festival Program. Um, You can look that up. You should have had that sent to you, hopefully. I think that's what they do these days. I don't know. Shane, is there anything else you wanted to add?
1: Uh, No. Shall I tell people how they can get in touch? Yeah, do that. So if you want to give us a call at HAG, if you want to uh, be involved in submissions, in working groups, in the Quilting Bee, in any of that sort of thing, give us a call on 9654-7389. That's 9654-7389. Or if you want to get in touch because you are an older person in Victoria with a housing problem and you want some advice or some help with it, uh, the best number to call is 1300 765 178. That's 1300 Seven six five one seven eight. you can also uh go to the website you can find us on i believe we're still on x
0: apparently we are uh
1: instagram facebook mastodon we do not have a mastodon we have a mastodon there you account go. Uh, Blue Sky, do we have one of them? No. No Blue Sky. Oh, dear. Do we have a Tumblr?
0: No Tumblr, no TikTok.
1: We're going to make this same bad joke every episode (laughs) for the rest of our lives, I think. Um, I think that's it.
0: That's it. We'll have to see you next time. We're about to hear a song from The Bedridden, which is a great band that's just recently reformed. um, And this song is called Capital I. I'm so busy on And shiny so it
2: brightens up about-